1: Chapter 8, this half hour of silence, once that's finished and all this wrath of God is poured out on the earth, All of these battles that come, all these natural and supernatural catastrophes that start happening, these earthly wars, these spiritual battles, these plagues, the deception, all of the persecutions, all of this stuff that's going to be going on in the world. The day of God's wrath has come. Those that have rejected him so far, they're no longer, at this point in time, there's no longer any more chance for repentance at all. Now, time's up.
0: We're only given a certain amount of time here on earth. That means that the gospel is an emergency. We need to accept Jesus right now if we haven't yet. We're not guaranteed even another second. We also need to be sharing the gospel with others. This could be their last day on earth. What we share with them could be the deciding factor on where they go when they step into eternity. Pastor David is urging us to make the right choices with this. Because when our time is up, it's up. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation, chapter 8, with today's edition of the Open Word.
1: If you remember the story back in 1 Samuel where the statue of Dagon. Fell over and hit the threshold because again God was moving at that point in time and He knocked over the the statue of Dagon and so for them in part of their pagan worship they would not step on the threshold. Most all of us know step on a crack break your mother's back. You've heard that right. Okay, this is kind of the same kind of an idea except they took it seriously. Don't step on the threshold because Dagon fell down upon the threshold. That's where he broke you know into pieces. So. Even believers were moving in superstition. That's kind of bizarre when you think about it. How many things superstitious do we do? Well, I'm not going to walk under a ladder. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, a kid, black cat walked through there. No, i got to go That's ridiculous. I mean, there are so many foolish things that I see even believers, you'll know, say, well, yeah, no, I don't do that. It's ridiculous. The Lord does not take pleasure in those things. For them, here, it was particularly a part of pagan worship. Those who leapt over the threshold, who filled their masters' houses with violence and deceit. Verse 10, And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate. is where the merchants would come in. A wailing from the second quarter and a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktish, for all the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. In other words, their entire economy is going to collapse, is what the Lord is saying here. Verse 12, he says, and it shall come to pass at that day that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. In other words, there's not going to be hiding from God. There's no place to hide. And I will punish the men who settled in their complacency. Listen to what they say. They would say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. They have no concept of the reality of the providential hand and the work of God in all of his creation. The fact that God is still actively involved in lives of people. Oh, yeah, I believe that there's a God, but I just don't believe he's doing anything in lives. We just pretty much live our lives the way we want to live them. We try to live good. We try to live okay. But God's not too involved. Well, beloved, that's a lie right from the enemy. That's complacency. God knows and God is involved. And God desires that you know him and that you walk in obedience to his word. And to say, well, I don't know the word. I don't know what he declares. I believe, again, God has hidden his word in our hearts. And most of us have been around church long enough that we know the right from the wrong. We know the good from the evil. And to say that it doesn't really matter to God what's good or what's evil, again, man we're fooling ourselves. He goes on to say in verse 13, Therefore their goods shall become booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. In other words, man, they're just working and working and working and working, and everything is just empty. There is no satisfaction, nothing in life. And then he says in verse 14, The great day of the Lord is near. It's near and it hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. Even the mighty men. This isn't women and children crying out. No, this is the mighty men. Again, that great day of the Lord, that's that final wrath outpouring of God. That's the end times. That's the last days wrath that he's pouring out. He says, the day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of what? Trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. He says, I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men in other words they have absolutely no guidance in their lives even the things that they had planned for now has been so totally destroyed because the economy everything is messed up just like we're going to see in a moment in revelation 8 the entire world the whole structure of everything is in such disarray that they can't even walk straight at that point in time They can't walk straight because they've sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land." That's something we don't want to look forward to. That's something we want to say, Lord, I want to be with you when that wrath comes. I want to be in your presence when all that is poured out into the world. Listen to what he says in chapter 2, because I love that in the midst of this, God is still offering the people in Zephaniah's day this time of repentance. All of this is coming. But then in chapter 2, God says, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, you undesirable nation. He's not saying, "All you righteous guys. No, you sinners, come. Come to me while there's still time. He says, come before the decree is issued or the day passes like chaff. Before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord. There is time for mankind to seek the Lord now. But there will come that time when it's over. They've gone beyond the opportunity that the Lord gives for repentance. He says in verse 3, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And I believe that hiddenness for those that come to Christ is, again, what the rapture does for us just as Noah was lifted up from the earth during the Lord's wrath upon the earth, uh, literal picture of, again, God's wrath on the earth and Noah being carried above that, picture of the rapture of the church at that point in time. Even in the midst of all that, in the midst of all of this that's coming, God says, come and seek me in order that you will be hidden in that day of my anger. So let's go back to Revelation 8. He says he opens the seventh seal. Remember, we've already had these cataclysmic things going on as these other seals were open. People have died. They've gone out conquering. They made war. They killed one another with a great sword. The economy of the world, the goods of the world were scarce, took a bag of gold to buy a loaf of bread all of these things hunger and death and pestilence came so all of that's been going on already now we come to chapter 8 the opening of that seventh seal and there is a silence for about a half an hour what is that silence for I believe it's for a couple of things that we've seen even over in Zephaniah. First of all, I believe it could be a time, again, offering the ability for any final repentance before this final destruction comes. Once more, just the the mercy of God reaching out and saying, you know what, there's quietness now. Maybe now is the time to seek the Lord. Maybe it's a time of quietness because there's nothing that the nations can say. They can't say, Oh, I plead innocent. Or, oh, the the reason I live that way is because you didn't know the way that I was raised as a child, and so that's my excuse from my, what happened before. No, there's no excuse at this point in time. There's, there's nothing to say to the Lord as this judgment comes. And so perhaps it's a silence because all of the nations had to stand there without excuse, without anything to be able to say at that point in time. Perhaps it was a time of quietness from all of creation, knowing the the greatness of this devastation that's going to come that's just about to move into full gear. And maybe all of the creation of God, man, we were praising, we were worshiping all of creation in the earth, under the earth, even the sea, all of them praising, glorifying. But now we are at a point, it's not going to be a pretty picture at this point in time. And so there's something so huge that's going to happen. Again, maybe it's just a time of quietness because all of creation now sees the moving of the great majesty of God, the fullness of the majesty of God. Like it was said in Zephaniah, be silent all flesh before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Whatever the reason, for the silence, it's not going to be long. And soon, God's going to continue to move through the events of the seventh seal and then on beyond that. I think it's interesting, again, as we look at Revelation, we don't find any more times of silence from here on until we get to the very end. From chapter 8, this half hour of silence, once that's finished, And all this wrath of God is poured out on the earth. All of these battles that come, all these natural and supernatural catastrophes that start happening, these earthly wars, these spiritual battles, these plagues, the deception, all of the persecutions, all of this stuff that's going to be going on in the world. The day of God's wrath has come. Those that have rejected him so far, they're no longer, at this point in time, there's no longer any more chance for repentance at all. Now, Time's up. The gong is gong, the bell is rung. Time's up. And now God's wrath is going to be poured out. So let's move on into chapter 8. In verse 2, we see, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Seven angels given seven trumpets. Now we're going to see the significance of these seven trumpets and their differences as, not only as we move through chapter 8, but also chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11. All these chapters go into the, the issues of these seven trumpets. But for the Jew in general, and John in particular, the trumpet would have had a very, very significant meaning, a very significant understanding for him. For the most part, in the Jewish culture, the trumpet had three primary uses. First of all, they were used as kind of a general call together. In early Americana, when the the church bells would just start ringing, and people in these small villages would come together. Oh, the bell's ringing. Something must be happening. Let's go and gather down at the uh, town hall area or the, the village center and see what's going on. Trumpets were the same way for the Jew of that time. They would gather the people together. It was also a call to battle, depending upon what they played and how they played on that trumpet. It could be a great warning that the enemy is on hand or it's time to press against the enemy. And then the third way that the trumpets were used is to announce special times, uh, feast days, uh, services, worship services, those kinds of things. So three different ways. Well, the first six of these trumpets, they're going to be sounding, but they're going to be sounding in preparation of some great calamity that's coming on the earth. When the seventh or final trumpet is sounded, that's going to be in chapter 11. And it's going to be a declaration, and it's actually going to begin a time of worship in chapter 11. But for right now, here in chapter 8, verse 2, says seven angels given seven trumpets. So let's move on, verse 3. Now there's another angel, an eighth angel. It says, then another angel having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels' hands. This other angel, we don't know a whole lot about him, but he carries this golden censer, and Maybe if you grew up Catholic, you knew what that censer was. But in essence, it was it was a bowl and on a long chain, and the priest would walk around with the incense burning in it, and that would be again symbolic of the prayers that were going on. This is where again the altar itself was located, just outside the veil of the holy. Of holies, And this is where the priest would burn the incense during those times of the morning and evening prayers. This angel, this particular angel, was given much incense. And I believe that symbolizes the amount of prayers, the great amount of prayers, of all of the saints that have been offered up through the ages. These prayers, along with the smoke of the incense, it says that they ascended up to God. But then something strange happened. Look at verse 5. Then the angel, after he's burning this incense, it's going on up to God, he says, then the angel, in verse 5, took the censer, he filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. The silence has definitely ended at this point in time. Turmoil is about to break loose. You might look at this at the seventh seal here, the very beginning that all heaven is about to break loose on earth. All heaven is about to break loose. Verse 6, so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first four trumpets sound, they're going to bring natural disasters to the earth, and to the immediate heavens, to the sun, the moon, the stars, at least to our atmosphere. Listen to what he says in verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Have you guys been watching the news? Anybody been watching the news about all the fires going on in the western states right now? It's just absolutely amazing. But you know what? That ain't nothing compared to what's going to happen. They say that right now, and I, I checked this out today at the USDA, Department of Agriculture, the Forest Service, their website. Do you know that as of today, there are at least 23 large incident fires that are going on in the western United States. Now, we're not even talking about the fires that are going on in Arizona. They don't even count them because they're not large incident fires. But we're talking five major fires in California right now, one in Colorado, Nevada has two, Oregon six, Utah one, Washington three. There is a total of 735,000 acres, in the western United States, that are on fire. That's a lot of fire. The year-to-date statistics, there's been over 33,185 fires, and they burned over 1.6 million acres. We think, that's huge, that's outrageous. That's not even .01% of a third of the trees and the grass that's on fire. And this says a third of the trees are going to be burnt up. Now it seems, as he's saying this, the words that are used for the grasses as well as the trees refer actually more to agricultural food sources. Some have said that it refers primarily to fruit-bearing trees and to the grains, you know, the, the wheats, the corns, uh, the barleys, all those kinds of things, that all of that, one-third of all of that would be true. And again, just as bad as one-third of all the trees and all the grasslands, one-third of all the fruit-producing trees and the fruit-producing grasses and fields would be just as bad, again, because of the massive disruption of, of the food supply. Because this isn't just a local thing. No, what does he say? Of all the earth, it was thrown to the earth, a third burnt up of all the trees and of all the green grass burnt up. Whatever the case, this first trumpet now is blown. And again, we see the burning, we see the waste of the farmland. We look today and the massive farmlands that we have in our country. And you can kind of like look at a map of the United States bring into the center of it, go from North Dakota to South Dakota to Nebraska to Kansas to Oklahoma and Texas. That's what they call the breadbasket of the United States. Nearly one-third of the United States right there producing so much. And we produce 12% of all of the world's food. And if just one-third of our country was destroyed... What a mess that would be all over the world. But he's saying one-third of the world. What a humongous impact that would have. No wonder when we were looking back over at the third seal, and it says that, again, that black horse came in, and I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. Again, food becoming so scarce at this point in time. But now we move on, because in verse 8 we have the second angel. The second angel sounded, and something like, now catch this, it says, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Well, does that mean a mountain was thrown into the sea? No, it says something like a great mountain. Could it be a huge meteorite that comes in and falls into the sea? Absolutely, it could. And what happens with that? It says, and a third of the sea became blood. And because of that, I believe that a third of the living creatures in the sea died. They just could not live in that. So here it is on the oceans of the world. Three-fourths of the world's surface is in the oceans. And now we're saying one-third of that has become again, polluted. It's become like blood, and one-third of all the creatures that are in that now are going to perish. And it says then a third of all the ships are destroyed. So you've got a third of the ocean that's destroyed, So much of our food supply, yet even still, comes from the ocean. Not only the creatures of the ocean, but even the plants of the ocean. So much comes into the food supply of the entire world. Everything from ocean creatures now to plant life, depending upon that ocean, and yet now a third of it is destroyed. Again, looked up and found according to uh, what's called the Shipping Intelligence Weekly At that point in time, there was around 59,000 registered cargo ships actively in use around the world. Now, if you include commercial fishing ships, cruise liners, naval vessels, all of these things, that brings it up to about 90,000.
0: Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676 we'd love to pray for you too and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for
1: you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word.